0: Can we bring mammoths back to life? Are there species out there that we haven't discovered yet? Did unicorns ever exist? All of these questions and more will be answered in the next 20 minutes. welcome to Newcastle University's Ask Our Experts series. As we can't visit schools or run events at the moment, we thought we would bring our scientists and engineers to you virtually. My name is Claire and I'll be asking our experts your questions. This week, we have not one, but two biologists who will be answering your questions on biodiversity. This was recorded over a year ago, um, so we were all actually in a room together. And you'll also hear the lovely voice of Tommy, who used to record and edit our videos. Um, So whilst you may have seen Louise and Rika answer some questions already, a lot of this recording has not been heard before. So there's still plenty more biodiversity facts for you to uncover here.
1: I'm Rika. I'm uh, Louise, and we are both postdocs at Newcastle University and we study uh, species
2: conservation.
0: What is the biggest animal in the world?
2: Uh, the biggest animal in the world, um, by both length and weight, is the blue whale. Uh, so blue whales can grow up to 30 metres long and they can weigh up to 180 tonnes, which is about the same as 50 average sized cars, so it's massive. And just the tongue of a blue whale can weigh as much as an elephant which is particularly amazing because the elephant is the largest terrestrial animal that we have, so the largest land-living animal. Um, And the African elephant can grow up to 4 metres tall um, and it can weigh more than 6 tonnes. That's a big animal! (laughs) (laughs) How long until most animals are destroyed? Um, that's a really scary question um, and there are lots of uh, different scary studies that try to look um, at how many species are going to go extinct in the future Um, and at the moment we reckon there are about 8 million species in the world um, and 1 million of them are currently facing extinction. Um, Another study though Uh, estimated that by the middle of this century it's possible that up to 50% of species could have gone extinct because of climate change. So there is the potential for us to lose quite a lot uh, very quickly but losing species actually isn't inevitable Um, and if we start to take biodiversity conservation really seriously then we could avoid losing all those species um, and we could avoid lots of extinctions.
0: Are there new animals that we have not discovered yet? I feel like the point that we haven't
1: discovered yet, then yeah, means we don't know. That's what I would <laughs> say. <laughs> um, so we do think that there are many more species that haven't been discovered yet. Um, and some scientists have estimated that there are 7.8 million animal species um, in the world. And we have described 1.3 million. So we know that there are definitely 1.3 million species. Um, and so that is about 17% of species that might exist, um, that we know about. Um, and the majority of those species that we haven't described yet are insects, so that's by far the biggest group of animals, and um, of birds and mammals we probably have described almost all of them, so it's very rare to find new bird or mammal species, um, but insects we find new ones all the time.
0: Mm. Um, I think. A good follow up to that one is um, what's the latest discovered species of animal?
1: Um, so that's quite difficult to answer because um, we describe new animals um, all the time, and so it's actually quite difficult to say when exactly we've described it um, because we need to make sure it is actually a new species. Um, but some examples from 2019 are, for example, um, a snake from India um, which is called a pit viper. And um, scientists have found that species, and first they thought it was actually another species um, from a different area in India. Um, But then they realized it actually looked a bit different, um, and they did some DNA analysis, and it turns out that's actually a new species. Um, And there were also some new frogs discovered in Madagascar. Um, And these frogs are very, very small. They're about the size of an adult's thumbnail, so um, tiny. And um, this group of frogs has been called mini, as a result of how small they are. And um, in, the, in the naming of species, we always have um, two parts of that name. And the first part of these is all mini. And um, the three frogs are called minimum, minuscule and miniature. That are their names.
3: That's have really you cool. So have you that. have I of them? I have not Are they tiny? Is, yes. They sound like they're quite, <laughs> they're quite small.
2: Did unicorns used to exist. Unicorns are legendary creatures. So lots of ancient civilizations wrote about them and we still write lots of stories about them now, but unicorns have never actually existed. We do have an animal though, that's living, that's real, um, that's quite often compared to unicorn, and it's called a narwhal. Narwhals are actually a species of whale and they have this large tusk that comes um, out of their forehead. Um, But the tusk is actually an overgrown canine tooth um, and narwhals are not actually known to have any magical powers.
3: Um, yeah. I'm sad about that too. You,
2: can you recreate creatures from the past? Um, not yet.
1: So there are scientists working on that, um, and the way that they are thinking about this is mainly through cloning. So we have successfully cloned species. You might have heard of the sheep Dolly that was cloned in the 90s. Um, and so the thought is that um, if we use parts of the animals um, that existed in the past then we can recreate them Um, and some projects are underway on that so people are trying to recreate woolly mammoths for example and passenger pigeons as well.
0: What's a passenger pigeon? Is that different to a pigeon that you get
1: these days? Yeah so they used to be extremely common in the US um, and then they were hunted to extinction Um, Yeah, so they used to be everywhere and Hmm. then they went. Can't imagine why you would want to bring pigeons back.
0: Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. We'll maybe. Why is there different animals in
2: different areas? So you get different animals in different areas because there is different environments in different areas. So you have lots of different temperatures, different amounts of rain, different altitudes, and all of this creates different environments and different habitats, and animals mm-hmm. become specifically adapted to the environments that they live in. Um, And we actually call this matching of animals to their environment, their ecological niche. Uh, So for example, um, there are frogs called wood frogs and they have an incredible adaptation. They live in Canada and they can actually survive being frozen. So the temperature can go all the way down to minus 16 degrees Celsius and the wood frog can still thaw itself out and carry on living afterwards. If you compare this to, for example, a species of tropical frog, a tropical frog could never survive that. So that's why you get the wood frog living in Canada where it's very, very cold, and you get tropical frogs living somewhere where it's nice and warm and they don't ever have to face getting frozen. That's really yeah.
3: cool. I know there's another animal, isn't it? Like a wetter, is it or something? Like in New Zealand? There's something, like a bug that freezes itself. Um,
2: well, I know there's a butterfly. Maybe, maybe yeah, maybe that's what I'm
3: thinking of. Like, um, it's amazing that they can like, do that and yeah. survive afterwards. It's yeah, so it's weird. Amazing,
0: isn't it? How many different species are there in the animal kingdom?
1: Um, We know that there are 1.3 million. Um, They are all the ones that have been described. And you can actually look all of them up. So there's a website called Catalogue of Life, and that lists all of the animal species. Um, So yeah, you can just find that and see them all. Um, But there are also species that we've lost. So we're describing new species, but we've also lost some that have gone extinct. Um, and that's since about 1500 that's been about 700 species that we've lost so while we kind of find out more about species we do also lose some at the same time. How many plants are there? so nice to get a plant question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There are well we know that there are 400,000 plants that's how many uh, we've identified uh, 400,000 different plant species Um, and there are many many more so we are describing about 1,500 new plants every single year. So that's an enormous amount. Um, So I don't know how many plants there are altogether. Um, If that rate of description of new species slows, then we might get to the actual number, but at the minute it's not. So we're still finding lots and lots of new plant species.
0: Is that because new ones are evolving, or is it just we haven't got to them all yet?
1: We haven't got to them all yet, yeah. So in really diverse areas, uh, especially in the tropics, um, there are so many different species. And some of the areas might be quite remote as well, so it depends if someone's actually gone there before and uh, s- and sampled the plants as well.
3: In terms um, of, sorry to interrupt, like, I'm, captain, uh, we're, we're, uh, apart from single-celled organisms, are plants the most diverse the group of life would you say
1: no i think insects are and if you think that plants are a kingdom and insects are part of the animal kingdom it's yeah it's quite incredible how many insects there are yeah fascinating
0: yeah. Yeah. i listened to a podcast the other day about fungi um, and they were saying that there's they found a humongous fungus <laughs> <laughs> and it's like cuz what you actually see like the mushrooms are just like the spores and it's all underground so Mm -hmm. the humongous fungus is like twenty-five thousand acres or something and that's one individual yeah because
1: that would make it the
3: biggest animal on earth if uh... well it's not an animal because they're in their own kingdom
1: they are very important for plants so a lot of plants will depend on the fungi that are in the soil (coughs) and if they aren't there then the plants can't grow So we don't know a lot about
2: them, but they are actually really important.
0: What are the differences between the DNA of English animals and the DNA
2: of North Pole animals? Well DNA contains the instructions for how an animal grows and develops and reproduces and therefore survives in its environment. So the differences in DNA between animals that live in England and animals that live in the North Pole will be all about the adaptations that animals need to survive in their environment. So polar bears have some really good adaptations to living in really cold environments. They have black skin, they have white fur, and they have furry paws. Um, And all of these adaptations that help the polar bear survive will be coded in its DNA.
0: What's your favourite part of your job?
2: Well, it's really exciting
1: to work on species and try and prevent extinctions. I think um, it's quite a privilege actually to work on that. You know, not everyone gets to work on that, Um, so obviously that's great. Um, But there are also lots of other parts of my job that I never knew I would have to do. Um, So for example, I do a lot of computer programming and I didn't know that I would have to do that as a biologist, but it's very important. Um, And luckily I really enjoy that as well.
2: So I really enjoy the,
1: the programming work too.
2: I really enjoy working with really enthusiastic and really passionate people. Um, And one of the great things about scientific research is you're always learning something new. There's always something else to discover, so there's never an opportunity to get bored.
0: What is your favourite animal? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I don't
1: know what it is. My favourite animal is a bird called a dipper, um, and those are songbirds. You get you get them in the UK. Especially in the in the north you get them, you don't get them so much in the south. And um dippers are the only songbirds that can swim. So they will build their nests over running water and the chicks when they when they fled from the nest they can swim straight away. So the nests are always built over the water so that they can just sort of jump in and swim away. And they are especially adapted to that as well. So the dippers can actually walk under water, um, which is quite impressive and then they pick out things that they eat from under the river from stones in the That's
2: My favourite animal is actually a vulture. Um, they're really ugly and quite like ugly animals. But also they form, perform um, an amazing environmental function. So vultures are scavengers. So they clear up, they clean up the landscape by eating all the carcasses. Um, And they're actually in crisis, globally at the moment, um, so they're being poisoned. And it's because vets use really strong drugs to keep cattle healthy, and then the vultures eat the dead carcasses of cattle and the vultures become poisoned. And what's actually happened is that as we've started to lose all these vultures, we've had more carcasses in the landscape and we've had more disease in the landscape. And some of these diseases are zoonotic, which means they can be transferred to humans. So it's actually making humans ill as well. So it just shows how important and how much we are in part of nature um, when the loss of vultures can affect our health too. Wow.
0: That's fascinating.
2: (laughs) Is that what your research is on? No, I just really like vultures.
3: (laughs) 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 I remember I was at Kennedy Space Centre a few years ago um, and I don't know what it was, but brought them there, but there was like hundreds of vultures surrounding it, it was so strange. Um, and they're really big when you see a few of them, I don't know what type of vulture it was. Um, yeah, they're, they're a bit like pigeons almost, like kind of flop together, but you know, they were just like, they're all about this big. Um, I remember my sister being quite terrified. Uh. Um, yeah, and in ter- uh, I suppose one question I have would be, in terms of of things we can do to help biodiversity day to day, and the animals that live in the northeast. Um, mm-hmm. Is there any like little tips that you'd give people just in terms of how, how they can help out? I suppose in
1: protecting wildlife. Oh, this might not go down so well. Then. <laughs> oh, we'll <just> <laughs> I think by far the biggest threat to animals is habitat loss, and a lot of the time that is caused um, by us clearing the land for agriculture. And we need more land if we produce meat, for example, or milk than if we produce grains. So one thing we can all do is eat a little bit less meat or drink a little bit less milk and that will actually benefit species.
2: Another thing you can do if you want to do something really locally is you can look after your garden and plant lots of nice wildflowers that bees and butterflies and other insects will come and visit. And if you've got more insects then you'll get more birds and you'll get some more um, small mammals as well. So it's something you can do in your own back garden.
0: Maybe this will be the last question. Um, When you were younger, did you always want to be a biologist or a scientist, or
1: what did you think you were going to be? I did always want to work with animals, um, but when I was younger, I didn't know about all the jobs that there were to to do with animals really, and I just knew I didn't want to be a vet because I didn't want to have to put down animals. I thought that would be really sad, um, even if it can be important to do that. But then. I guess I realised that you can study biology and from then I kind of realised that I could be a scientist and study species and um, try and prevent extinctions that way.
2: I was always interested in nature um, and I was always interested in conservation but I didn't know how exciting and how much fun uh, scientific research was until I got to university Um, and now I can't really imagine doing anything else.
0: Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this as much as Tommy and I did. As I mentioned at the start, this was recorded on campus quite a while ago, so sorry for the occasional background noises. If you want to find out who we're interviewing next and submit your own questions, then please take a look at our website, go.ncl.ac.uk forward slash AskOurExperts, or tweet us at STEMNewcastle.